Welcome to the brand new Patriots and Pinstripes podcast, the official podcast of the New York Yankees AA affiliate Somerset Patriots. And the Patriots have won it! Somerset! My name is Mark Schwartz. On this show, I'll cover all things Somerset Patriots and New York Yankees, from the organizational structure all the way down to the prospects, the AA Northeast League, and everything in between. A pleasant hello and welcome to the Patriots in Pinstripes podcast. My name is Mark Schwartz and I am joined now as always by my co-host Brandon Pelter. Brandon, most important question of the day, how are you my friend? Mark, I'm doing great. We're inching closer towards opening day. The ballpark gets prettier and prettier each day and we're a couple days away from finding out who our roster is going to be as well. So exciting times about a week away from the start of baseball season. A lot of moving parts here at TD Bank Ballpark, and we do want to get into those. I do also want to mention our guest for this week's episode. It is the Somerset Patriots hitting coach, Joe Migliaccio. He is a New Jersey native. We are thrilled to have him on the Patriots coaching staff this year. Uh, A very interesting conversation I had with him, touching on a range of subjects uh, from who we might see In Somerset, on the position player side, a couple of standouts from spring training. He touches on Jason Dominguez and his production uh, so far down in Tampa. We also talk about some analytics in the game as well. Just a really fun, wide-ranging conversation. But before we get into that interview, Brandon, I do want to talk to you a little bit and expand upon exactly what our broadcast setup is going to be like this year. We are very excited to be streaming all of our Somerset Patriots home games on both the Voice of Central Jersey 1450 WCTC, but also streaming with video on MILB.TV. And Brandon, we have some very exciting additions to the broadcast this year that we can now talk about. Mark, we really do. I mean, when I stepped back into the office a couple weeks ago, seeing the brand new setup here, it is incredible. Uh, And you'll be able to take advantage and and see just how nice it looks on MILB.TV with a subscription. Um, If you won't be listening on 1450 WCTC, but we've got a five-camera stream. Uh, One camera will be out in center field, something I know you and I have uh, longed for and uh, wanted for quite a while, so we finally have that. We've got uh, three other cameras along the concourse behind home plate and on the first and third base side, and then a, a wireless camera around the stadium, some amazing graphics that our technical director continues to put together. We even have replay as well. So it really will look like a, a pretty legit um, stream, and uh, taking in Patriots games will be uh, as good and better than it really ever has been. Oh, what better year to implement some new strategies with our TV broadcast than in a year there where we're currently still opening up with some limited capacity. So, you know, an opportunity for fans to follow the team like they never did before. And, you know, somewhat selfishly, Brandon, uh, it allows us to <laughs> have some additional angles when we're broadcasting the games, which should, you know, in all honesty, make it quite easier for us absolutely i think you and i share the same excitement in one particular aspect of this new setup and that's replay we'll get to take a closer look at plays slow it down run things back and really something that we haven't been able to do in the past so while calls may not be changing on the field we'll at least have another look or two maybe even three and 
in addition to Instant Replay available in our booth, Instant Replay will also be available here at TD Bank Ballpark for the first time in this ballpark's history. So if you are in attendance at the ballpark and you see a very exciting play on the field, all you're going to have to do is look up at that big scoreboard over in right field. And for the first time ever, we're going to have instant replay so you could watch that play back. It's new for this season, Brandon. And, you know, we're thinking that it should only enhance the uh, the experience for fans that are at this ballpark as well. No doubt about it. I mean, I think all of the uh, changes and upgrades that we've seen this past offseason, many of them have been player-focused. This is one of a few that is fan-focused, and uh, and especially as we go through this season, really more into next season, we'll kind of carry things over as we continue to improve TD Bank Ballpark for the fans. So a lot of fun and exciting new additions for the fans, but let's switch it back to the player side, and let's go to my interview uh, with the new hitting coach for the Somerset Patriots, Joe Migliaccio. Who wants to play baseball? Let's go! Yes, sir! And welcome back to the Patriots in Pinstripes podcast. Another very exciting guest this week. I am joined by the new hitting coach, for the AA Somerset Patriots, it is Joe Migliaccio. Joe, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for taking some time today. Yeah, of course. Really, really excited to be here. Yeah, we, we are thrilled to have you as a part of the Somerset Patriots. You will be the first hitting coach as the Patriots become a AA affiliate of the New York Yankees. Uh, you're down in Tampa, Florida right now, uh, getting ready, finishing up spring training. How's everything going down there? Things are great. Uh, we, we've got, you know, roughly a week and a half left. Uh, being gone so long, you, you would have thought that there would have been a lot more rust, but the players, they, they've done a really good job over the last year, and uh, they're chopping at the bit to get back to, to playing against somebody other than uh, their teammates. So it's, it's exciting. They're in a good place. Well, I, I want to get into that a little bit, um, you know, because this is such an odd year, and last year was such an odd year, and there's so many different layers to everything that's been going on with, you know, the COVID-19 pandemic. So entering spring training and entering your work with these guys after almost a year off of professional baseball and competitive baseball, what was like the rust level on some of these guys? Uh, how was their preparation coming into this? Or were they, you know, ready to go hit the ground running? Yeah, so uh, just just some background on, on this past year. Um, it's not like the players were, you know, on their own the entire time. And we, we were crossing our fingers for when they got back that they would be in good shape. Uh, our hitting department uh, did a phenomenal job uh, staying in touch with our players. Uh, we, we individualized plans for them accordingly. Um, you know, just it's hard to send, you know, 125 hitters. So all, every piece of equipment they need and whether you've got players in California, Texas, or, or outside the country in the Dominican Republic or Venezuela, uh, everybody's got a little bit different of a situation. So just trying to figure out the equipment the players have, uh, how, we can, how we could put a plan together for them to be in, in the best possible position for when they got back. And uh, credit to the players. Uh, I'm sure it's you know, easy to be upset and not want to get up and, and – work out when when they've been off for so long but uh, our coaches did an awesome job staying in, ch- in touch with all those guys and, and hats off to the players for for staying on it uh, I think when you think about these players we're, we're not talking about they're, they're not going to need three or four months to get back into it these are professional athletes that 
they, they need a few weeks and, and everything is just full cylinders go. So um, if you came out and saw spring training right now, I, I think you'd, you'd be hard to say that all these guys have been off for a year because they're really producing in the game. Uh, training has been going great. Uh, and like I said earlier, they're, they're ready to play somebody else at this point. So uh, it's been going really well. That's great. And, and we are certainly ready to have them up here in Somerset with uh, opening day now less than two weeks away uh, from the time that we're having this conversation, uh, which is wild. But what, what about you over this last year? Uh, you mentioned that the players had their equipment and they kept on training. What, what was this last year like for you? Yeah, uh, a lot of this, a lot of Zoom <laughs> calls, uh, a lot of FaceTime, um, text messaging, going back and forth. Uh, so, so the players, they, they, again, they did an awesome job sending video uh, several times per, per week and uh, keeping their profiles updated on, on, our, on our internal system. Uh, but, but really just a lot of Zoom calls, uh, whether it was, whether it was a, a hitting specific Spanish class or uh, a, an analytics meeting between the department, um, just a lot of communication, obviously over the computer and over the phone. Uh, and other than that, not much. Um, but I think we I think we did a lot of really good things to to keep our guys going in the right direction, making sure they didn't take steps back. Um, and again, our our hitting department crushed it over the past year, and I think it's definitely showing in terms of where our guys at right now. I can't imagine that that must have been easy for you and the rest of your hitting staff to analyze these players, these you know very valuable players to the Yankees organization through these videos that you're getting back and understanding where they're at in their progression and, you know, what they're working on, what they need to work on even more. How difficult was it to, to look at a video that a player would send back to you, analyze it and, and try to coach them through that, any, any sort of communication that you could on maybe some technique or, or different aspects of their game. Sure. You, you know, a big thing for us is, is really educating the players on, on how we train, why we train, and what we want to see. Uh, so it's never, hey, do this drill. Awesome. Hey, uh, do this, do that. It's always, hey, um, you know, whether it's video, breaking it down, explaining it, uh, telling them why, uh, explaining a drill. Uh, we tend to put a big focus on making sure that they really understand what they're doing. Uh, we tell all the hitters from day one, if, if we ask you to do something, you should be able to ask us, why am I doing this? And if, if we can't answer it, uh, ideally they shouldn't have to do it then. Uh, so, so from day one, there, there's education daily happening. Um, what, what angle we want to receive video from, the checkpoints of the swing that we're, we're really looking at. Um, and, and with all that combined, the relationship that we've built with, with each player, I think is really important because uh, when the players know, uh, know, know us on an individual level, uh, we know what they're working on specifically. Uh, it, it makes it easy to be able to communicate with them and show them before and after video, uh, pro progression pictures, progression videos, uh, and a handful of them were able to get, uh, we would send out a blast sensor. So we were able to track workload, uh, mm. see what drills worked, what drills didn't work, and, and, and work accordingly. Was there anything in specific, I guess, going into this new landscape that you were worried about that, you know, things that you would normally work on with players that you were worried maybe might get lost in the shuffle a little bit or, or might take a step back? Or was there, was there anything that you were specifically keying in on as a major focus for a lot of these players in their approach at the plate uh, over the last year? 
the, the hardest thing uh, and the most difficult thing for a lot of the players to receive would, would be live at bats. Uh, so uh, a lot of them had access to machine. A lot of them have access to a coach being able to toss or a coach being able to throw. Uh, but it's hard to find a pitcher like that's throwing 95 with a with a nasty slider. Uh, so that was that was for sure the hardest part at the early and midpoint, especially when when a lot of the country uh, and outside the country was truly shut down. Uh, but once things started opening up, um, a lot of our players were able to meet up with with players from other organizations or or get back to their college and and get at bats like that. And but in terms of working on zone discipline or uh, adjusting swing mechanics, uh, a lot of that can can easily be taken care of. Um, but then on the back end, you always want that to to progress into a live at bat, into a game. So uh, that's what we're seeing now. A lot of the work that that the guys have put in, whether it was a swing mechanic issue, um, improving zone discipline, um, improving pitch recognition, we're, we're seeing a lot of that happening now, uh, based off the progress guys made over the last year and the work they put in. The Patriots and Pinstripes podcast is brought to you by TD Bank. TD Bank is changing the game with curbside debit card replacement. Whether your debit card was lost in the couch or chewed up by your dog, we've got you covered. Just order a new debit card through the TD Bank app. Then you can walk, bike, or drive up to your nearby TD Bank to score your new card. Now that's the MVP treatment. TD Bank, proud sponsor of the Somerset Patriots. Member FDIC, TD Bank, N.A. Curbside pickup is only available for personal debit card replacements. The Patriots and Pinstripes podcast is brought to you by Horizon Blue Cross Blue Shield of New Jersey. In uncertain times, you need someone who has your back. That's why Horizon Blue Cross Blue Shield of New Jersey makes sure their health plans have all the benefits you need. Telemedicine, mental health services, and more. Because everyone should feel like someone has their back. We're speaking with Joe Migliaccio. He's the new hitting coach for the Somerset Patriots, entering his third season with the New York Yankees organization. Of course, his first season with the Somerset Patriots. Uh, he's been the hitting coach for the Tampa Tarpons, the high A affiliate for the Yankees the last couple of years in 2019 and was supposed to be there for 2020. And of course, that was a lost season. Uh, Joe, I want to take a couple of steps back and talk about your progression through the world of baseball, um, which is always fascinating because everyone has their own story. Everyone's made their own connections and has climbed the ladder in their own respective ways. Uh, for you, uh, a New Jersey guy, Mount Holly. Do I have that right? Is where you're from originally? Yeah. Yeah, you got that right. Nice. Do you still have, you still have some uh, family and friends up here? Yeah, a lot, of, a lot of my family is still in the New Jersey area. Uh, super excited to get back up there and, and see them a little bit more than, than I have the last couple of years. Um, my, my uncle is the owner. Um, I, I guess it's hard to say, like, you know, we had the Trenton Thunder. So my, own, my uncle was the owner of Captain Paul's Firehouse Dogs in Trenton. So um, a lot of our players were able to volunteer some time and and ultimately go over there and, and eat at the restaurant. Oh, nice. Uh, so, so they built a cool relationship. And hopefully I'll be able to talk, talk some of those guys and making a short trip down there to, to try it out that haven't. But, um, yeah, I, got, I still have a lot of family up there. Really excited for them to come out to the games and, and see them. So I want to go through your, your career a little bit. Uh, college baseball player at Florida International Parkland College, Oral Roberts. 
And then you got into the coaching ranks. Um, we were talking a little bit off the air before we started this conversation. Um, got your career started at Siena College and then transitioned to a number of different schools in the state of Missouri, uh, Southeast Missouri State, uh, the University of Missouri, um, uh, Murray State, and then the University of Iowa before making the transition over to the New York Yankees organization. How were you able to work at that level with some of these younger players, and how do you feel that that translates into your work uh, with more young players at the early stages of their professional career? Yeah, so early on in my coaching my coaching journey, um, Coach Rossi at Siena, uh, right out of college, joined that staff and and really just kind of threw me in the fire. Uh, hey, here, here are your responsibilities, uh, and, and let's get things done. Uh, so, so he, uh, I, I thank him forever for giving me my first opportunity, but um, just, just figuring things out along the way. Um, you know, when you're at a smaller school, you, you don't have a budget to have all kinds of technology. You have to utilize random things you can find in the closet at the field to, to be able to put players through uh, really good practice. So um, I, I think, you know, in the past couple of years, a lot of coaches from college have been hired into professional baseball. Uh, they've been able to, to take the situation they're in and really turn it into something impressive uh, from a, from a training aspect and a performance standpoint. Uh, so along my journey, just a lot of experiences like that and uh, meeting the right people was, um, was really important as well. And um, my, my current boss, our hitting coordinator, Dylan Lawson, I, I met him in college. Uh, so, so yeah, the, the journey throughout just going from uh, Siena college, a, a smaller, smaller division one school in, and really working my way up, trying to trying to get to, get to where I want to be as soon as possible. Um, I think you look back now, and um, there there's a lot of moving early on in my career, but that that's just part of it. So uh, thankful for every stop I had, and and I learned at every stop, and and got better at every stop, and um, it, it was really good. What was that first season in Tampa like for you now that you're at the, the professional ranks? I mean, you know, making that leap from the college ranks to the pro ranks and, and having a good amount of success at a high level of baseball. What was that year like for you? It was a lot of fun. Um, <laughs> you know, when, when, Dylan, when Dylan took over in that first year, uh, we were kind of transitioning into some new philosophies. So uh, there, was a lot of, there was a lot of learning early on between us to the players, you know, um, giving them giving them information on what we expect, giving them information on on how we want them to train better, how we want them to train different, uh, and and sometimes it's not fun. Uh, it's not fun to just be in there getting crushed by a machine, uh, and that's never the goal. But uh, I, I think early on, when you really compare like the first half of the season to the second half of the season, and the relationship the relationship between myself and the players got stronger. Uh, they understood me better. I understood them better. Uh, I learned their culture uh, from from a Spanish speaking um, side of things. Uh, so really, just just getting to know them on a deeper level, learning who they are as players. Uh, so being able to take that first half and show some guys like, hey, I I think we can do some things to really see some improvements with with some really small adjustments. You know, we're not asking you to completely rebuild your swing. We're not going to ask you to go down a level to get better and then come back. We can do that here. We can do it before the game and. Uh, you're going to have success really soon. Uh, and uh, thankfully, we were able to do that with a lot of guys. And, and it was a lot of fun in the second half. Uh, <laughs> the first half was fun from being employed by the New York Yankees and being around a lot of really good players. 
uh, but there were some speed bumps because we were doing things that were a lot different than they were used to doing in the past. Well, with the New York Yankees organization, there's been, you know, uh, sort of this reputation that's gone around a little bit as of late specifically, uh, possibly with, you know, Dylan sort of leading the way, uh, you know, there's been a real emphasis on the use of analytics. Can you touch a little bit for some of our fans that are obviously going to be new to the New York Yankees organization and specifically the way that minor league baseball is run on what, I guess, a fundamental level of what, when people say analytics, what that really means and, and how, on the hitting side of things, you guys start to apply some of the analytics and the video that you use to help improve players' games. Sure. Yeah, I, I think the the word analytics kind of gets a bad rep. You, know, you have <laughs> this old school versus new school and this uh, constant bickering back and forth. And at the end of the day, uh, we, we really just want our hitters to swing at strikes. We want them to hit the ball really hard. Uh, and ideally, we would like them to hit a line drive. Uh, we're, we're not the, the common misconception about this launch angle era is mm-hmm. uh, they want all, all of our players to hit fly balls and hit pop-ups. And, and that can be the furthest thing from the truth. Uh, we, we don't want that. Uh, we, we just want guys to, like I said, swing at strikes and, and just crush line drives. So uh, in terms of analytics, what we're, what we're really talking a lot with our guys is uh, their ability to make really good swing decisions uh, when, when they can improve those decisions they're likely going to uh, make better contact and hit the ball harder. So when you, when you put all that together, uh, good things really happen. So, for example, um, uh, a metric that we talk about with our guys is their, their launch angle when they hit a ball over 95 miles an hour. So uh, ideally, we would like that to be a positive number, uh, obviously not too positive uh, and never negative. Uh, so, so just uh, when, you, when you hear the term launch angle over 95 miles an hour, that might seem super analytical. Uh, but in a simplified term, that just means can you hit a line drive over the infield? Uh, so, so just some things like that. And uh, we're, we're not really breaking things down on, on a super crazy level to our players. We're, we're really keeping it simple. Um, some players want more information than others. Uh, but at the end of the day, it, it is a simple concept. Uh, our, our hitting philosophy is hit strikes hard. So, so it's three words. Uh, and obviously there's some more depth to that. Uh, but that's, that's what we circle around. Hit strikes hard. I like that. Can I quote you on that? That's I, I enjoy that. <laughs> uh, so it, it's. I'm glad that you kind of bring that brought that up because I think a lot of people get lost in the numbers, and I think a lot of people that are baseball purists see all of these different stats with all of these different abbreviations and these different letters that are next to each other, like you know wins above replacement and all, all of that kind of stuff, and get a little confused on like how those numbers are put together and, and what they exactly mean. Uh, so, you know, I've talked to a good amount of people about launch angle previously. And, you know, for a while, I mean, we were on the independent side of things. And a lot of the players that used to play here were like, oh, I've got to improve my launch angle. It's all about, you know, hitting home runs. And, you know, sometimes there's a little bit of concern that you're dipping that back shoulder. And that could potentially set up uh, poor situations for batters at the plate. Uh, but it sounds like that's, really the opposite of what you guys are looking for. Uh, is that correct? Yeah, we're, uh, we're not wanting guys to just, you know, dip and hit fly balls. Uh, it, it's just going to make them susceptible to, to a lot of other pitches that they're not going to have success for uh, and vice versa. We don't want guys uh, just making contact to make contact. Uh, we, we do believe you don't have to sacrifice power uh, to make more contact and vice versa. Uh, so we, we don't want to sacrifice 
swing and miss. Uh, we we, we want to make a lot of contact, uh, and we want to hit the, the ball really hard in the air just on a line drive. I guess without giving away the, the tricks of the trade, because we don't want to give away any information on exactly what makes the Yankees such an impressive organization, but, but how do you work with a player you know, on, on something like a swing decision? What kind of do you is that mostly video that you're looking at? I mean, from layman's terms, you know, hitting a baseball is a very difficult thing. And with all the athleticism that pitchers have these days with, you know, fastballs over 100 miles per hour and hard sliders and cut fastballs and all of that kind of stuff. What do you guys sort of look at to help players with their swing decision? You know, there's, there's a few routes you can go, uh, whether whether it's a it's a pitch recognition issue or a, a gaze behavior issue or it's simply a a player that just chases pitches because he thinks he can hit everything. Uh, so, so our analytics team does an incredible job supplying us with information that we're able to break down and uh, match that up with video or in, whether it's eye tracking glasses. Uh, we're, we're, we have a lot of tools in our tool belt that we can use to really find uh, the issue for each individual player. Uh, but, but like I said, you know, if a player, uh, we, we don't want him swinging at a ball just to make contact. If it's an O2 count, we don't want him to swing at a ball that's six inches off the plate uh, because the umpire is going to call strike three. Uh, over the course of the season, you hope that the umpire doesn't call the ball six inches off the plate uh, <laughs> that consistently. But we know that when he takes that pitch, he's likely to get a mistake later in the count. Uh, so, so whether it's, you know, uh, we describe it as like picking zones. So based off the count, we're looking different parts of the plate. Um, you, you add advanced scouting reports into the mix as well. But um, behind the scenes, there's a lot of work that goes in for, for improving pitch recognition or improving swing decisions. Um, and it's not easy uh, a lot of the time. But when, you, when the player starts to see that improvement, when he takes the slider that starts as a strike and ends up off the plate, uh, it just has to happen one or two times for them to really be both feet in uh, with the training. Um, so. While, while I, I can't give you a lot of details, I hope that that answer is, is good enough. <laughs> no, it's great. It's great. The Patriots and Pinstripes podcast is brought to you by TD Bank. TD Bank is changing the game with curbside debit card replacement. Whether your debit card was lost in the couch or chewed up by your dog, we've got you covered. Just order a new debit card through the TD Bank app. Then you can walk, bike, or drive up to your nearby TD Bank to score your new card. Now that's the MVP treatment. TD Bank, proud sponsor of the Somerset Patriots. Member FDIC, TD Bank, NA. Curbside pickup is only available for personal debit card replacements. The Patriots and Pinstripes podcast is brought to you by Horizon Blue Cross Blue Shield of New Jersey. In uncertain times, you need someone who has your back. That's why Horizon Blue Cross Blue Shield of New Jersey makes sure their health plans have all the benefits you need. Telemedicine, mental health services, and more. Because everyone should feel like someone has their back. We're, we're, again, we're speaking with Joe Migliaccio, the, uh, the new hitting coach for the Somerset Patriots. You know, in AA this year, uh, there is one new sort of quote unquote experimental rule. And, you know, this has been a conversation in a lot of different levels of baseball. Patriots are well aware of it from their time in the Atlantic league, but for the double a level in Northeast league this year, the new experimental rule is not so much that teams can't shift, but along the infield, 
every position player, first base, second base, third base, and shortstop, have to have both feet firmly on the infield dirt. Uh, there might be a time potentially in the second half of the season uh, where there is going to be a clear line in the sand, so to speak, where you can only have two players on one side of second base, two players on the other side of second base. From a hitting coach standpoint, does that change your approach when you're talking to your players that, hey, you know, now we know that we're not going to have this huge shift against us or, or does that not really play into things as much? Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it necessarily plays a, into an approach. Um, it, for example, when, when a team shifts and they have three infielders on one side, we're, we're not asking our hitter to just hit, you know, don't push a weak ground ball the other way. We, we still want them to swing at the pitch in their zone and, and just hit a hard line drive. Uh, but I think when that rule came out or that, that uh, change of a rule came out, Every member of our hitting department, both players and coaches, I think smiled knowing that uh, there would be some some bigger holes on the field, and um, they they were for sure happy about that. But yeah, I wouldn't say. Uh, however, the defense is playing that it's not really going to affect the players' approach. You know, the pitchers have a hard time throwing strikes as it is, and when they do throw strikes, a lot of the time it's not even where they want to throw it. So we just, as a, as a hitting department, we want our guys to be ready to hit, uh, and when they hit it hard. They hit it often, and they hit line drives. Good things are going to happen no matter where the defense is playing. So there's a lot more room in the outfield for the ball to get down, so that's why we ask them to just, hey, hit it over those, those guys in the infield's head. Are you a pro-shift guy? Are you an anti-shift guy? I mean, it sounds like it doesn't really matter too much from a hitting approach, but do you have a stance on where the shift fits into the general landscape of baseball? Uh, in, my, in my personal opinion, I think it's fine. You know, coming from, from college, they, they've been shifting for, for quite a while, just, just like in professional baseball. So I think uh, when you have the information, you should, you should be able to defend what you have. Uh, so, so really, o- overall, you know, no, no issues with the shift. You're, you're trying to win the baseball game, and whether it's four outfielders or, or five defenders with the infield in, uh, I, I think it's fine. It, it's, just, it's just a part of the game. It's, um, it, it's okay with me. Well, it's going to be a new part of the game for Patriots fans and uh, for the team that you, Joe, are going to coach this year here in Somerset. Uh, before I let you go, before we finish up this conversation, I would be remiss if I didn't ask you a little bit about some of the players that we might see uh, at the AA level this year. I understand, you know, we're having this conversation on what, uh, Thursday, April 22nd, so rosters have not been finalized on where they're going to go in the minor league uh, ranks, uh, but we hear all the time about a lot of these big-name arms that are in the uh, New York Yankees organization, these young, high-upside, talented arms. I, I want to give you an opportunity to brag a little bit about some of the guys that you've been coaching down in Tampa. Uh, so has there been anybody specific for you that has stood out or, or anyone that you want to brag a little bit about uh, You know, in terms of position players and, and bats in the minor league uh, level that we might see here? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, what's super exciting being, being in Tampa and high A uh, in 2019 and, and last year uh, would have been there as well is a lot of those players are moving up to the AA level. So I've had, I've had a chance to, to be with them for a while now, and um, I understand them. They understand me. They, they know what we're expecting out of them. So uh, to, to pick one guy w- wouldn't be fair. Uh, I think the improvements that, that a lot of players made from that first half to second half and, and into the whole year last year – uh, I'm just going to rattle off a bunch of names. Um, I think Donnie Sands made, made a huge midseason improvement uh, from the first half to the second half, and, and he's, uh, he's killing it this spring training so far. Um, don't quote me on it, but I think he's leading all of our players in home runs. I think he has four or five at this point. 
Uh, so, so he's doing an awesome job. I, I've said on record before, I think Oswaldo definitely has the ability to be a 20-plus home run type of player. And uh, while looking at him, you, you wouldn't think like a super physical guy, but uh, man, he, uh, he impacts the ball really hard uh, and it's fun to watch. And, and Diego Castillo does the same thing. Um, some incredible contact race through, throughout our organization. He is, he is at the top and uh, he's improved his game a lot and really, really getting into some power as well. So I, I think both of those guys are double machines with the occasional home run as well. Um, uh, going around the infield, uh, Dermis Garcia was a guy, huge, huge power. Um, unfortunately, he got hurt around the halfway point of the season in 2019, uh, and he's really done a good job of working on his swing decisions and, and improving his recognition at the plate. Uh, he's having a great spring training as well. So uh, I think all those guys are, are going to come in, you know, uh, whether they're in Somerset or not, I have no idea at this point, but I, I think you see them eventually, uh, and I think you – as a, as a fan, you you have some really, really exciting players that are coming in uh, and will be super fun to watch. So um, if any player watches this, uh, I'm sorry that I didn't <laughs> mention your name, but um, hopefully at some point we'll do like a, a recap 30, 40 games in and, and I can give some more guys some some credit on here. Uh, one name that I'm sure you've answered questions for about Joe, and I get so many questions up here. Um, you probably know that this is coming. Uh, the Martian. Jason Dominguez, everyone wants to know what's going on with him. What's his progression looking like? Uh, so have you had an opportunity to work with him at all down there in Tampa? And if you have, uh, what can you say about how he's looked so far? Yeah, so uh, see, see him just about every day. Um, awesome kid. Super, super funny personality. Um, just really fun to be around. Uh, I think a lot of players kind of gravitate towards him because of his personality and um, I, I think, I think when you think about, oh, this guy has power, or that guy has power. Like he doesn't necessarily have power when you compare him to Jason Dominguez. Uh, and, and it's, you know, it, it's kind of unfortunate the, the names that people are associating with him. And, uh, when you think about it, he hasn't even played a minor league game yet. So, uh, there, there's an incredible amount of pressure that's being put on him. You would never be able to tell if you were around him on a daily basis. So, uh, I, I don't think he's taking uh, those comparisons, uh, whether it's taking him to heart or truly like comparing himself to that. Um, he, he's always smiling. He's an incredible baseball player. And at this point, uh, I think everybody just kind of wants to see him in a game against somebody else. So um, again, really fun to be around uh, an incredible talent hits the ball incredibly hard. Uh, and, and at this point, it's just a matter of him getting live at bats and, and really just developing into the player that he's ultimately going to become because he is an incredible talent. I, I don't think anybody is, is going to argue that. Uh, and so, again, at this point, it's just him uh, putting on a uniform and, and playing against somebody else and producing. Uh, and, and where he starts, I don't know. Where he ends up uh, throughout the season, I don't know. But uh, he's definitely going to be really fun to watch going forward. Well, everyone's asking about him, and we're certainly excited to follow his career. Um, you know, wherever that leads, whether that's Somerset this year, I, I would be a little surprised. But I mean, you know, I don't I don't know. <laughs> but uh, sometime in the future, if, if his path does come through Somerset, New Jersey, uh, I think there's a lot of people here that'll be very excited to watch him play. Uh, last question I have for you, Joe. And again, thank you so much for taking some time. I know that you're very, very busy down in Tampa. Uh, but you come up here to Somerset probably in, I guess, you know, what, like a week, uh, a little bit more than a week. 
Um, you know, you're going to be the new hitting coach in a brand new setup here. Uh, the first year that the Patriots are affiliated with the Yankees. Uh, what are your overall thoughts and, and levels of excitement uh, to start something that's pretty much brand new up here in Somerset this year? It's, it's just so exciting. You know, ever, ever since um, the, the Patriots and Yankees linked up, I, I think uh, I couldn't even tell you how many people have, have, have told me they were jealous that they weren't going to be there. Uh, and and it's, it's super fun being able to follow the Patriots on social media. Uh, they, you know, they update the Twitter and the Instagram every day and seeing the construction updates and uh, seeing how the, the new hitting facility is, is being built uh, from where that started to now is, is so exciting to see. So uh, I can't wait for all that to be finished. And uh, then, then when you're, you're told about the following, you see the pictures, you see the video from the past and the sold out stadiums and uh, you know, do we, do we see that this year? Probably not because of COVID protocols, but uh, just the following that the, that the Patriots have had uh, and now to, to be able to link the Yankees with that, it, it's going to be so much fun. Uh, there's going to be great players. The atmosphere is going to be, going to be awesome. Uh, so just really excited to be a part of it. Uh, it it's going to be great. Well, we are excited to have you here again. Opening day is Tuesday, May 4th. We are less than two weeks away. Joe Migliaccio, the new hitting coach for the Somerset Patriots. Thank you so much, man, for taking some time today. I really appreciate it, and and we look forward to having you up here in a little over a week. Yeah, of course. Uh, Super excited once again, and uh, can't wait to meet you in person. The Patriots and Pinstripes podcast is brought to you by TD Bank. TD Bank is changing the game with curbside debit card replacement. Whether your debit card was lost in the couch or chewed up by your dog, we've got you covered. Just order a new debit card through the TD Bank app. Then you can walk, bike, or drive up to your nearby TD Bank to score your new card. Now that's the MVP treatment. TD Bank, proud sponsor of the Somerset Patriots. Member FDIC, TD Bank, N.A. Curbside pickup is only available for personal debit card replacements. The Patriots and Pinstripes podcast is brought to you by Horizon Blue Cross Blue Shield of New Jersey. In uncertain times, you need someone who has your back. That's why Horizon Blue Cross Blue Shield of New Jersey makes sure their health plans have all the benefits you need. Telemedicine, mental health services, and more. Because everyone should feel like someone has their back. And welcome back to the Patriots in Pinstripes podcast. Mark Schwartz alongside Brandon Pelter. We are now less than one week away from the start of the minor league baseball season and a very exciting new era of Somerset Patriots baseball. But before we get into that, look, there's been about a month's worth of major league baseball, and we really haven't discussed that too much so far on this pod. So we thought we'd take the last couple of minutes of this week's episode to talk about a couple of storylines that have stood out to both of us so far on the major league side of things here in 2021. So Brandon, I will kick it over to you. I will give you an opportunity to start things off with a couple of major storylines that you've been following so far 
for this Major League Baseball season. All right, pressure is really on, I guess, if I'm leading things off here. I guess first and foremost, being a Yankees affiliate, we start with them. It's been a bit of a tough start to the season. Um, a lot of places that you look, they were expected to really lead not only the AL East, but the American League. And uh, they have one of the worst records in all of the American League. Now, good news is they're starting to win a couple of games, but I think the big surprise has really been the offense, and they really are in the lowest tier of, uh, of all major league teams when it comes to so many offensive categories. So it's been interesting to see that slow start, but I think Yankees fans... Hold your breath. Stay patient. Things will turn around uh, as the starting pitching continues to shore up. I think those bats are certainly going to come into play as well. The other big one, Mark, we were talking a little bit uh, before we hopped on to, to record this podcast, has been Shohei Otani, who is just unbelievable. I mean, literally doing things that either have never been done before or haven't been done in about 100 years. And uh, just last night, um, a day after hitting his seventh homer to tie the uh, Major League Baseball lead, he became the first home run leader to be the starting pitcher for a game since, any guesses who, who that might have been? I mean, I've got one name. There's, there's an obvious choice, yeah. <laughs> And it is? The Great Bambino. That's absolutely right. He's the first to do it since Babe Ruth did it with the Yankees on June 13th, 1921. So quite literally, nearly 100 years ago, Shohei Otani continues to light it up. And a guy that when he came over to stateside, so many people questioned, can you have a true two-way player? He's proven you really can. Yeah, no, the answer has been an, an emphatic yes from Otani. And I think there were stats from him earlier this season where uh, look at some of the hardest hit balls that were put in play and the hardest thrown fastballs from starting pitchers. And he was at the top of the list for both. Mm -hmm. He had like a like a 115 exit velocity on a home run that he hit. Um, and he also had like a like a 101 fastball or something like that. And to be at the top of both of those stats in the same season, to be able to hit the ball harder than anybody else in the league and throw the ball almost as hard as anybody else is quite amazing. And one of the storylines I've been following uh, stays on that same leaderboard because along with Otani at the top of the starting pitcher list for the hardest thrown pitches is a man that you don't have to travel too far away from Somerset to follow. Uh, he pitches over in Queens. It's Jacob deGrom. And look, this guy already has a couple of Cy Youngs uh, in his repertoire, um, he already has a Rookie of the Year award as well. But the things that he's been doing so far this season for the New York Mets has just been absurd. Some of the numbers he's put up over his last three starts, 14 strikeouts, 14 strikeouts, 15 strikeouts. He has set a Major League Baseball record for the most strikeouts, 50, over the course of his first four starts of a season, ever. That's incredible, and in his last start was one of only three pitchers in Major League Baseball history to, I believe, was it, strike out at least 14 batters in three consecutive starts. The other two, I'm pretty sure, being Pedro Martinez and Shane Bieber, actually, from last year. So the numbers that DeGrom is putting up, I mean, he's already established himself as a top two, in my opinion, top one starting pitcher in Major League Baseball, but he's just built upon his own success and the numbers that he's put up this year 
have just been extraordinary. It's been very fun to watch just as a fan of New York baseball in general. Absolutely, and I think one number that uh, you might have left out that really puts the icing on the cake, the ERA, point three one. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> it's It's been a crazy start for him. So th- that's been one of the main storylines for me. Um, also, you know, to go on the opposite end of the expectations spectrum going into this year, there's a couple of guys that were Rule 5 draft picks. And for those of our fans who might not be as familiar with what the Rule 5 draft is during the offseason, teams have the ability to basically draft a player from a different organization that's not on that organization's 40-man roster with the assumption that that player has to stay at the major league level uh, for the entire season. If they don't, then they can either work out a trade or have to send the guy back. Uh, It's a rule that's put in place to try to give opportunities to players that might not be as well-known, that might not be on other teams' 40-man rosters. And one guy that's really stood out um, that falls under this category uh, over at the Chicago White Sox, Yermin Mercedes, uh, he has taken that city by storm. And and there's a lot of notable players. I mean, look, even at that White Sox team, we have like a Luis Robert, you have like a Tim Anderson. You know, those are really strong teams in Chicago. Look at the Cubs as well. I mean, you know, you could go through the entire list of players on Chicago Cubs, but Mercedes has just been such an impressive player. And, you know, for a guy that wasn't even on a 40-man roster to come in and, like, his batting average, if it's not still above 400, it's it's certainly close to it. Uh, and he's really made a name for himself. So it's, it's exciting to see these guys that, you know, every year somewhat, quote-unquote, come out of nowhere and, and really put on a show and, and make a name for themselves. Just to confirm it for you, Mark, the current batting average for Yermin Mercedes, 429. <laughs> Lighting it up. And, and you know what? That's that's one of the fun things about the game, and it's one of the things that we're really looking forward to this year. It's a unique opportunity for us in Somerset where we really haven't had the chance before to see these prospects that are coming up, but it's not just the prospects. Like There are guys that are off 40-man rosters that are really um, you know, strong, talented ball players, and we're going to get a chance to see a lot of them this year. Absolutely, and I think to kind of wrap things up, one of the most exciting things will be seeing these guys for the first time since 2019, who's really grown? Because there will be names that even you and I might not be all too familiar with right now, but by the end of the season, they could certainly either be making their way or have made their way to AAA or even to the Bronx. Well, that's going to wrap up this week's episode of the Patriots in Pinstripes podcast. We'd like to thank this week's guest, Joe Migliaccio, the new hitting coach for the Somerset Patriots. Also, like to thank my co-host to my right, Brandon Pelter. We will be back with a new episode of the Patriots in Pinstripes podcast at our new time on our new date of Monday night. This coming Monday, we will have a season preview for the Somerset Patriots 2021 season. Uh, We'll have a conversation discussing their first opponent of the season, the Harrisburg Senators, who will be in here starting on Tuesday, May 4th. And that's going to continue over the course of the entire regular season. We'll have Monday episodes that will both air live on the Voice of Central Jersey 1450 WCTC and will also be made available online and all the normal destinations as well. So we will be back relatively quickly with another episode this coming Monday. Until then, thank you so much for tuning in and have a pleasant weekend, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Patriots and Pinstripes podcast. Each episode is aired on the Voice of Central Jersey, 1450 WCTC and WCTCAM.com every Thursday night from 6 p.m. to 7 p.m. with online versions made available on podcast streaming platforms 
like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and more. Please consider giving us a five-star rating if you enjoyed the show. The Patriots and Pinstripes podcast is written, hosted, and edited by me, Mark Schwartz. It is produced by Jack Myatt, Ginny Ott, and the entire team at 1450 WCTC.